0: Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis.
1: Greetings. We're back again for episode 19, and this is a really fun one. We've got Aurel Moody, who is just a, a spirited, fun fellow podcaster, uh, also in the tops of the podcast uh, career charts over in iTunes. And it's all about the art of likability is the name of the program. And he shared some real nice specific tidbits for how you can come across more likable in a genuine way, not a fake or a phony way, but just naturally do things that make people like you more and all the benefits associated with that. So you're going to have a few good takeaways, including one, a quick way to craft text or emails into a more likable, powerful message, the power of smiling, and the impact that can really have on people remembering you and having a positive impression, and three, some easy ways to make people around you feel special every day. And as always, you can check out the show notes, the transcript, the items mentioned over on awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep19. And if you want an even faster, a two-minute briefing of the goods that Aurel had to share, you can sign up for the gold nugget email list right up there on the homepage at awesomeatyourjob.com. Quick bit about Aurel. Aurel Moody has given the TEDx talk on likability and wrote the Forbes article on the subject. Aurel has been quoted in the New York Times, Business Week, and USA Today. He's given presentations to over 250,000 people in 48 states and five countries. Aurel Moody was named Inc. Magazine's prestigious 30 under 30 list where folks like Mark Zuckerberg and others found themselves back in the day. Arel Moody was personally acknowledged by President Obama two years in a row for his work as a leader in America and has been featured speaker at the White House. He's been selected as one of the 100 world, quote, leaders of tomorrow, and quote, by the St. Gallen Symposium, an international organization in Switzerland. Here's Arrel. Aurel, thanks so much for appearing on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast.
0: Oh, man. Thanks for having me, Pete. I'm pumped to be here.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we're pumped to have you. And I know we might be small potatoes, though, because I understand you were just featured on Ellen. Is this true?
0: Yeah, man. It's it's really so utterly ridiculous and crazy. Um, but it literally, maybe two years ago now, I was playing basketball with my with my son. And, you know, it was the craziest thing, because basically, usually when I play basketball, there's no one else around. But this time, I told my wife, like, hey, you're here, you know, record me. Let me, um, you know, let me work on my jump shot mechanic. So, you know, just record me. You know, my mom was there and she was basically telling me, hey, listen, don't uh, don't hit your kid in the head with the ball. And I was like, good what advice. are the odds? <laughs> it's good advice, right? Good parenting. I was like, what are the odds? Like, it's a small ball. It's a small kid. We have the whole court to ourselves. And like three shots in, I like totally nailed my kid in the head with uh with the basketball. And I, I posted it on Facebook because I thought it was funny. It went viral. It got like two million views. And then I start getting these messages like saying, oh, man, that video was on Ellen yesterday. On I, She has a, a segment called Epic or Fail. So <laughs> it was on there. And I started getting all these messages and all this stuff. And it was really cool. So now we're just uh, kind of running with it and seeing what fun we can, we can have from, you know, technically being on the show and seeing
1: if we can parlay it into something a little bit more featured. Oh, that's right. Well, it is funny. When, when it comes to professional speakers, though, they've got a way of turning everything into a bio item. As oh, featured it's totally on, Ellen. Going
0: on my bio. Oh, it's totally <laughs> going on my bio. It's totally, there's no question. You don't, you don't get featured on the most popular daytime uh, show and yeah. you just let it ride. That's
1: <laughs> good. But it had it, nothing to do with your wisdom or your content, just <laughs> nailing a cute child with a basketball.
0: You know, I'll give you, I'll give you a pointer and I'll give everyone listening. This is That's a really weird. important lesson, right? It's all about positioning. So the way that I'm going to add it is, um, so this is the second video that I posted that went viral. Um I have another video that was actually a wedding dance me and my wife did got like three and a half million views. Um so it's just random. It's not anything that we necessarily planned, but you know, just as a little joke, you know, at the end of the bio I'm gonna add Aurel Moody um has two viral videos and one of those videos was actually featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show. It's so a fact. totally legit, <laughs> totally a fact. It's not like Aurel's speaking success was, you know, put on the show, but you know, it's really. I really am a big believer in, you know, positioning and and making sure you're not lying, but shedding the best light you possibly can to be awesome at what you do. Well, that's
1: great, and, and I think that your your podcast does a fine job of that as well. And I'll tell you, when I was shopping around thinking about you know my positioning and branding and and kind of the stuff I wanted to cover, but how do I make it seem kind of unique and fresh? I really. Liked what you're doing there with uh, your podcast, the Art of Likability, because it's it's broad in that it covers a lot of stuff, but it also it has some focus, and I think it's it's in a real sweet spot there. And I understand it's it's doing it's doing well
0: you know it's it's really exciting it really was something that was birthed from the idea that i genuinely in my my heart of hearts believe that the most valuable thing we have in this entire world are our relationships mm-hmm. you know our business um ventures succeed because of our relationships our personal relationships dictate our level of happiness you know i mean just think about it like if you had all the money that you could ever want, but no real people to share it with, it's an unhappy life. And if you have, you know, maybe not all the money, um, but you have great relationships and great friendships and a great marriage or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend situation, life is beautiful. And I realized that a lot of people want these great relationships, but the sticking point is this likability because we don't, invest in people unless we initially like them, and we don't stay invested in people unless we like them. It's just, if we look at every relationship we have, we may love people, but not like them. And I realized that if we can show people systematically, like, hey, you have a good heart and you want to do good, you just literally are a doofus like I was for so long and didn't don't know what to do, we show them how to do that in every episode we put out one a week. And we cover things from a, a lot of business professional, but also, you know, personal relationships, romantic relationships, parenting. It's really a cool gamut because I think if your relationships are on point, everything else in your life is on point.
1: I hear you. And, and that makes sense. So, well, now you've got me super intrigued. I, I buy it that there's, there's good data and research behind it. I don't know if you know of any particular studies you'd like to cite, but I know that, you know, Dr. Robert Shaldini in his uh, book, Influence, talking about the six uh, principles or weapons, liking is right up there in terms of like a fundamental drive that leads to humans wanting to respond to other humans. Uh, I got to call them humans because we're being scientific now. <laughs> Uh, so, so that's cool. Do you have any other like super compelling studies to kind of build the, the case for why like it's so critical? I think intuitively that makes sense. But if you have yeah. any striking studies or hard data, that's even more fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's ton. There's there's amazing data that goes out. I mean, if you look at just general data, there's likability indexes for presidential elections. You know, Hmm. how, what's their, you know, likability index, what's their rating, their approvals. There's actually a really cool study of 50,000 executives by um, Jack Zenger and Joseph Falkman. They're from the um, Zegman Falker Foundation. And they found that that the folks who are asking for feedback and those who do that are more likable. And if they ask for feedback and they're more likable, they become more effective in what they do, and when you look at job satisfaction, it was a Gallup poll, and they found that I think it was three out. Let me, I get the exact numbers here. It was three out of ten people um, like the work that they do, and seven oh, out right. of ten don't. So there's seven. There's seventy percent of the workforce that literally don't like the work that they did, and when they interviewed that seven out of ten what they found is that the main challenges that they had were directly in re- the relationship they had with their direct supervisor or manager. So it wasn't yeah. that the work they were doing is what caused the seven out of 10 people to hate their job. It was the relationship with their direct supervisor or manager. And that's all relationships and people skills. If we can change that, I mean, we could literally change the entire workforce. If we just you know, gave people some really specific skills that I think don't, because I think when people think likability, they immediately think high school popularity contest, mm. not being good at what you do, and just being like a used car salesman.
1: And, and the truth is that may have worked in high school, but that's not what it is in the real world. Okay, so well, I'm I'm sold. I'm convinced. It's common sense, and there's hard data to it. And I've I've seen organizations just kind of crumble apart because of people not liking their bosses, and it's a darn shame. Let uh, all the good work that they've started. He gets kind of cut short or, or shifted over to, to someone else who has to learn anew. And uh, the progress of society is diminished all because of some jerks in the <laughs> cubicles.
0: Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, is that the jerks never think they're the jerk.
1: Huh. You know,
0: whenever you are dealing with someone who's a tough cookie or someone who, you know, people kind of like, man, if this person was just this, everything would be better. The thing is that person never thinks they're the problem. There may be a very small percentage of the population who know they're jerks and purposely are jerks, but Mm -hmm. usually it's us thinking the other person's the problem. We never shine a light on ourselves and we always go, if this person just figured out the the world would be better. And I'm, you know, one of the big things that I do is I say, hey, the stuff that we teach, don't say to yourself, yo, this would be really cool if my coworkers or if my boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or husband started doing it. It's more about what you can do because at the end of the day, you can't really change someone else you can only affect change on yourself and that change of yourself can inspire others to change so it's really about taking uh responsibility and i would love to go into like specific things people can do but if if we if i mean just think of any job you've ever had in your life if you had a good experience with the work culture with the people I mean, you could be shoveling dog poop, but it would still be a fun environment. I, mean, I worked at McDonald's in high school, and the work itself was miserable, but I had great people that were frying the burgers with me and frying the chicken and all the stuff we were doing in the back. So it was fun. So the relationships and people really are the element. And I get to speak to you know, corporations and businesses about how to, be, how to create that, cult, that culture, because people just don't
1: get it. And when they do get it, you see amazing results. All right. I'm in. So tell us. What are some of the, the top, let's say, innocent mistakes? You know, we say we don't know that we're jerks, but we're, we're doing some things a little bit off or askew in terms of like maybe most frequently occurring and, and most devastating or impactful. What are, what are some of the things we need to stop doing or start doing to come across more likably?
0: Yeah. So we'll go start and stop behavior. Um, Mm -hmm. so stop behavior. There's, there's a really great book, um, that was put up by the Arbinger Institute and it's called leadership and self-deception. And it's a very quick read. It's kind of written as in a story form, but it's one of the most, um, quintessential mistakes that people make is that they treat the people they're interacting with as things or, uh, uh, objects to help them achieve their goals. So I go, Hey Pete, I want to jump on your show. But I don't really care about you, Pete. I just care about being on your show and having your listeners hear my voice. And, you know, maybe they'll go ahead and listen to my podcast. And if I come out, I mean, you've probably interviewed people and you can tell some people's soul was in it. And maybe you interview some people and you feel like their soul, you know, really isn't in it because they're not really seeing you or the audience members as people, as humans. They're seeing them as things on their to do list or mechanisms to help them with their goals. And one of the biggest stop behaviors, and, and this happens daily, it's not like you hear this and then it's done forever is when you're interacting with people, you have to be very aware. Am I treating this person like a thing that's going to help me reach a goal? Or am I treating this person like a human? Am I treating them with, you know, just am I using soft, you know, words? And, and you see this in emails tremendously where people see emails as just data exchange. Like, you know, Pete, give me the report at three or right? Mm-hmm. Like I would never speak to you like that in real life. And if I send you that email, you know, as I'm sending it, I'm like, why do I got to go through all these pleasantries? I just need to report by three. And but then when you receive it, you kind of get this little like, was he kind of yelling at me? Was he like barking orders at me? And that causes a rift. And that rift may never be talked about. That rift may seem like you may say to yourself, oh, this is small, everyone's under pressure. But what we know is that if we hit an oak tree in the same place, Over and over and over again, even if we're hitting it with a baseball bat, eventually that oak tree is going to get weak and then over time it it will break. And that's what happens in most relationships. It usually isn't one big thing that destroys a relationship. It's these little things. And most of the time these little things revolve around us treating people like to-dos or machines or just mechanisms to help us reach our goals. Versus treating people like humans with just simple respect and kind words. And, and if you look at the best leaders, this is what they do. It doesn't take more time, by the way. Me saying, hey, Pete, you know, hope all's going well. You know, the project's really coming down to the deadline. I appreciate all your help. You know, if I can get the report by three, it'll really make sure that, you know, we achieve our goal. It literally may take me five to seven more seconds to type that email. But the relationship gets built and strengthened versus weakened.
1: No, I hear you. And I've been on the receiving end of some emails and it's like, I get a little snarky sometimes. I'm thinking, what I think you meant to say was, thank you so much, Pete. (laughs) 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 I think what you meant to say was, thank you for staying up late and handling that. (laughs) Right, no, but
0: you know, and that's the thing about email too, which is so crazy. And there's so many challenges and wars that happen over email, because I can't, you know. There's no tonality, there's no vocal inflection, and you know, so I can read something. And there's this great, I mean, oh man, it's it's great. There's these comedians, Key and Peele. I, don't I don't love them.
1: So I was so sad theater. when it was off the air.
0: I know. It's like, why would they end? It was the oh. greatest. Yeah, like the greatest sketch comedy show since Dave Chappelle,
1: hands mm-hmm. down. Well now my heart's pounding like Ker slunk, Ker slunk. What are you gonna <laughs> say next?
0: <laughs> yeah, but no, they've they've got this great skit, and if you haven't seen it yet, it's this texting skit where <laughs> oh, they're buddies yes. texting each other. And the one dude's reading it in like the worst possible way and his other buddy is totally like, oh, this is just like an awesome thing. And then by the end of the skit, um, one of the characters is like running into a bar with like a spiked baseball bat. (laughs) Uh, It's such a great example of how there's this miscommunication and how just some simple words or additional, you know, moments of care could completely diffuse
1: someone wanting to take a spiked baseball bat to your head. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, okay. So treating people like people and not like things as well as taking extra note in sort of, you know, text communications, but you don't have tonality or facial expressions. What are some other kind of, you know, clear do's or don'ts?
0: Right. So some very clear things. So for example, let's say, um, Pete, if we were in the same physical space and we were working together and I needed you to get me something. And I said, Hey Pete, hand me that, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm giving you the the direction that I need to happen. But in that moment, it really would actually create a rift where just taking a few moments to make sure to say please and thank you. And it sounds so simple, but if we actually went throughout our day and paid attention to how many people said please or thank you to us when they communicated with us, we'd realize how little it actually gets said. Something simple as, hey, Pete, could you pass me that please? Thank you so much. Like that completely changes the tone and feel of Pete, could you hand me that? So I'm really a big advocate of going back to like the old school fundamentals and I actually believe overly doing it. I, I, I would rather say please and thank you too much than not say it enough. I always err on the side of being more respectful than less respectful. I always, so like if I meet someone, I'll call them Mr. or Doctor if they're, um, you know, of that title or if they're older than me. And then I'll let them say, oh, call me John or, or, or whatnot, because it's just a level of respect. I'd rather them pull back. So I, I highly encourage people to take the time to really notice how often you hear the word please and thank you, and then do another self-assessment and say, how often am I using please and thank you throughout the day? And I think you'll be surprised how little we actually use it because we're such a data transfer oriented kind of culture now. But when you do that, it really changes the game and it causes people around
1: you to like you way more. That totally makes sense. Absolutely. Please and thank you. Solid. What's next? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep pumping you if that works. Yeah, no, there's,
0: there's a really great, you know, this is one of the big things that that I teach when I when I go out and I do the speaking engagements on this stuff is that, you know, I want you to imagine that every single human being is walking around with a sign that's around their neck that's like a big bright neon blinking sign that says, "Please make me feel special," like every human being has this deep down desire to want to feel as if they're unique and special. And there's a lot of simple things that you can do. One of my two favorite things to do, and it, it's not hard. It doesn't take a lot of time. And, and none of this stuff is, by the way, none of this likability stuff is hard. It's real easy. I'll give you a great example. Let's say you're in an office and you're going up to the water cooler because uh, you want some water or you're going up because maybe you want some coffee. I always encourage people to get two cups of water, two cups of coffee, you know, one for you. And as you're walking back to your, your office, hand a cup of water to someone else. Hand a cup of coffee and say, hey, do you want some water? Do you want some coffee? And just like build that kind of legend as the dude that's always doing that. And people will so appreciate you for doing these simple things because you made them in that moment feel special. Um, there's a great game that I enjoy playing called Phone Book Roulette. Um, I do it with my past clients. I do it with my friends and family. Every day around 2 o'clock it is for me. You can choose whatever time you want. I set an alarm in my phone that goes off that says um, contact someone today and say hi. So when that goes off, I literally open up my phone. I go to the contact section. I like scroll up. I scroll down. I scroll up, scroll up, scroll. And then I just stop on whoever, you know, my finger lands on. And if it's a client or if it's a friend, whoever it is, I'll just contact them with no agenda and just say, hey, Pete, you know, it's a rel. Thanks so much for interviewing me a couple of weeks back, man. Just wanted to check in. How's the podcast going? You know, is there, you know, anything cool or exciting in your life? Let me know. And it's no agenda. It's not like I'm going to ask you to help me move something a week later. I'm not going to, you know, try to sell you something or, hey, I got this really great coaching program. You know, now that we're talking, I should tell you about it. It's like no agenda. And if we really take the time to think, when was the last time someone reached out to us without an agenda? When was the last time a coworker or a boss or a friend, you know, reached out to you just to check in with you? I would assume two things. One, it probably doesn't happen often. And two, the person who does that is someone you cherish and someone that you like very, very much. And I highly encourage business professionals to do this. If you work with clients or if you're a customer service rep or if you're a sales specialist, really specifically if you're in sales, you know, set a time each day to reach out to one, maybe two clients with no agenda, not trying to upsell them, cross sell them, you know, downsell them or anything like that. Just check in, how's, you know, how's things been going? You know, I remember last time you talked about little Susie was going to her high school play, you know, how'd everything work out with the play with no agenda. And people will be almost, you know, it's like a breath of fresh air or they'll almost be waiting for the like, when's the like hit come in? When's the Yeah, aspect? totally. It's like, what do you want? What, what do you want? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm just checking in on you. And when you break that paradigm that, you know, it's a, I'm softening you up to do some type of ask. People will be like, wow, Pete's different. I feel special. And you know, one of the things that I think people don't understand about characteristics and how we feel about people, the way that I feel when I'm around you is the feeling and characteristic that I assign to you. So if when I'm around Pete, I feel powerful I believe Pete is powerful. Mm. If when I'm around Pete, I feel loved, then I feel that Pete's a loving man. If when I'm around Pete, I feel respected, I believe Pete's a respected man. So literally, you kind of ask yourself, what is it that I'd want people to say about me behind my back? In a good way, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever it is you want people to say about you, that's the exact way you treat people, and that's how you get them to feel that way about you. So if you want to be someone who's considered powerful, treat people and make them feel powerful. If you want to be someone who's considered, you know, charismatic, make other people feel charismatic. And when you do that, they're going to assign those characteristic traits to you. And then you literally can build this almost legend about who you are by simply, you know, following some really old wise wisdom, which is treat others the way you'd like to be treated.
1: No, I, I totally agree with that. And That's been my experience, like the folks who seem super in demand and just beloved, uh, are the ones who who make me feel just awesome. <laughs> they they always have sort of compliments and observations, or, or seem genuinely curious about what I'm up to and how it's going. And it's it's like everybody likes them,
0: right? And you know, one of the cool things that you'll notice is about the most likable people, which is so fascinating. And now that you know, now that we share this, people will be able to do it. Um, when people usually have conversations. Whether it's networking or you know business related, it's always kind of like a like a size up conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Pete, how many how many listeners you how many downloads you like? I didn't ask you that. Like when you said, uh-huh. "Hey, you want to be in the show?" I was like, I checked it out. I said, "I love what he's doing. I want to be a part of it." But I'm sure a lot of people are like how many downloads you get, how many listeners you got, how many countries are you featured in, how long you've been like they're they're kind of sizing you up.
1: Mm-hmm. Is to this see worth it for me?
0: Is it worth? Is this person? And then that—that's how you treat people like a thing or a mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you go, "Oh man, this is a great podcast," you know, and you send me this really, you know, detailed link, and I, I was very appreciative because it cut down a lot of me having to ask you questions that you probably assume people will ask you anyway. So I took a look and I go, "Okay, this person's legit. They seem like they really care. They put a lot of effort into it. I totally want to be supportive of, of an environment like that." And when you notice people are not sizing you up but they're genuinely of interest of, okay, what are you doing? Why do you care about this? What made you start this? And, and they become interested in you. The more interested we are in others, not sizing them up, but being interested in them, the more interesting we get to become around everyone we interact with. So it's really cool because you become kind of a... Um, Sherlock Holmes of life, like an anthropologist of everyone you meet, like, what is it that you do? And why do you do this? And what makes you tick? And we love those people. We love those are the, you know, Will Smith's of the world and the like charismatic people that just seem so, you know, in love with life. Because they really have a curiosity about life, and that curiosity is kind of like a like a little child's curiosity, and we love that energy. And you can anyone can tap into that. You're not born with it; it's not a skill. You just become genuinely interested in other people, and life opens up, and people love being around you. Mm, that's beautiful.
1: Well, so I, I love it. You've, you've well, and thank you also for the compliment about uh, what I'm up to, and I appreciate that. And 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 what you're up to. So. So yay, Uh, interested and interesting (laughs) stuff all the way around. So I think you've shared some fantastic pieces associated with kind of word choice and mindset and and principles. I'd love to maybe touch base a little bit on some of the the nonverbal pieces, whether that's tone of voice or facial expression or or rapport, mirroring, posture, like some of those things. Because I think that's very easy for folks to overlook. Even myself, you know, I'm allegedly a professional speaker myself. (laughs) and and my fiance said to me that while we were conversing my face looked judgmental and i was like oh i'm so sorry i didn't mean to do that at all i was just thinking hard about what you said and and like oops well so i imagine people probably do tons of things they don't even know that they're doing what are some things that we should be on on the lookout for and and how can we not do those things
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a really, really great point you bring out. You know, and everybody has their own, whether it's a physical crutch or a verbal crutch. Some people say like a thousand times or uh, Mm -hmm. or some people, you know, they have like this death stare and they don't even think they have a death stare. You know, they just, so everyone has their own particular kind of foibles that they need to be aware of. And the only way you become aware of it is by having people who you love, like in your case, your fiance, you know, being very honest with you. Um, But there's some very general things that people do and they don't even know it's a problem. Um, I'm like, for example, I never, ever, ever have a conversation directly in front of someone. I always stand at an angle to them or at their side when we have a conversation. Mm. Because there's a lot of research into kind of fight or flight and our responses to threats. Um, And what we've actually found is that being directly in front of someone is the quintessential adversarial stance. So whether you're a friend or a foe. If you're standing directly in front of me, there's actually a kind of almost biological reaction that there's an adversary like it's me versus Mm -hmm. you. And when you stand at someone's side, when you speak to them, or at kind of a V angle, so like if you looked at that person and you, you'd actually kind of like draw a V. So I always take a step closer to someone and step out so I'm open, so that we're next to each other. And you see this in, um, there's a lot of office construction that the CEO's um, desk is not not created so that anyone can sit across from the desk, but they sit kind of as an L to the side of the desk, so you're on the side with the CEO. So I'd highly encourage people that When you have conversations with people that you you step to the side and you speak to them almost not like a straight line to the side. It's a little, you know, it's hard to describe audio without, you know, you seeing it. But just if you can imagine instead of being directly across from someone like they're across from a desk that they're sitting catty cornered on a desk, that's where you Mm -hmm. should stand. Because then you're on the person's, like, figuratively and literally, you're on the person's side. And it actually allows people to drop their guard. And then you'll have people say things like, oh, wow, I just feel comfortable around you. I'm not sure why. It's because you're not standing in an adversarial
1: place. Oh, that's great. All right. So so seating position is, is excellent. What else? Mm-hmm.
0: So I highly encourage. So there's a really interesting study. I forget who did it. Or else. I, I, I credit them fully. But basically what the study was is they they took a shopping experience. And they did everything exactly the same. The only difference is that when the person gave change to the person, instead of um, handing them the change, they put it on the table and they slid the change over to the person. In the test group, what they did Mm -hmm. is they took the change and they put it into the person's hand as they gave them the change. So there was just this human touch, like a very simple human touch, um, that happened. And what they actually found is that the customer service rating of the people who left the store who had the human touch was significantly greater than the people who had the change passed to them by sliding it on the uh, uh, across the like countertop mm-hmm. to them. So the, what I use that with is that whenever I have a conversation with someone, I'll you know laugh and then I might touch their elbow, you know, and it's it's something that you really have to. You know kind of practice because you don't want to turn into like a creeper who's rubbing someone's arm like right. way too long and like being like a but you know what you'll see from the most um, successful people like when they shake hands, they'll shake your hand and touch your elbow at the same time, or they'll shake your hand and touch your shoulder, or shake your hand and touch the top of your hand. So there's an additional level of, of human touch. Or I might get next to someone and I'll like you know pat them on their shoulder if they say something funny, like oh Pete, that was so funny. And when I said the word Pete, I'd touch his shoulder, be like oh Pete, that's so funny. And it's not a hard slap and it's not anything that you would ever notice. It's not I'm not doing it ever so that the person can be like, this dude just hit me or this dude just touched my elbow. You won't even know that it's happening. But when I shake your hand, I'll always make sure, you know, if it's if it's appropriate, if I'm like meeting the, you know, president of a company for the first time, I'll I'll kind of mirror the language Uh, body language he does. But for most people, um, if I feel like I'm in equal footing, or if I feel like they're looking up to me, I'll I'll do an extra touch. And then if it's someone who's, uh, I believe, is a stature that's above me, I'll mirror whatever body language they give me uh, out of a level of respect. What I found is that the more I, you know, introduce you know, subtle touches, you know, back of the hand when you shake the hand, a slap on the shoulder when someone says something funny, an elbow touch that like, oh, man, you're, you're such a rock star. And I, when I say rock star, I like, you know, kind of give them a little gentle shove like, wow, you're so cool. And what I actually find is that when you introduce, you know, non-sexual, non-creepy, mm-hmm. non-weird, just, you know, human connection through touch, you actually increase your likability without anyone ever knowing why.
1: Yeah, that's good. Well, I, I think for me there's a, maybe just a little bit of uh apprehension there. I guess maybe I gotta warm up with uh with my close friends. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it's Lord. totally and the thing is, is you're literally breaking the um bubble. Yeah. You know, everyone everyone has a personal space, you know. So what I, I what I tend to find to do is, and again, there there's two things I I I'd, I'd keep in mind when you start doing this. In the beginning, you're totally gonna mess up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, just be totally, there's nothing that we do. Like, if you've never played baseball and I put a bat in your hand and I say swing, your first swing's not going to be a home run. Like, no one's first swing is a home run. You know, when you start standing next to people or if you start touching their shoulder, you're going to be, like, uncomfortable about it. And what I would encourage you to do is, you know, I, I, in my podcast, we call this being a likability connoisseur. Notice the person at your job or, your, or the the one person of your friend group that's like, the life of the party or the likable person or, or anyone that you you admire and I, and I think if you start observing their behavior you'll start to see how much they introduce touch and what i would recommend doing is when you see someone who is you know very good you be a connoisseur of it you see how they introduce it and you really try to mimic it because if you just kind of start rubbing someone's shoulder it's really going to be uncomfortable <laughs> but you'll you'll realize what's too much and what's too little but you have to be okay with failing um, with anything in life and, and this
1: is no different Okay. All right. I'm sold. But as I think about, as I'm trying to be a bit of a connoisseur here, as I think about the most likable people, one thing that they seem to have in common is they are not in a hurry. They could just chat with you for a good long time. And I think that's pretty impressive is is the patience that they exude. Do you have any observations around that? One of the gentlemen that I met in college
0: who was like, you know, he was the, you know, quintessential cool guy. I mean, this dude was I learned so much from just observing. He was a frat brother of mine. And, you know, he would do this one thing. And I totally have incorporated it into my life ever since I saw him do it. You know, we'd be on campus and we'd be walking, you know, and let's say I saw him across campus what most people do is they kind of you know they wave they go hey what's going on how you doing pete and there's like a wave that happens and then they they move on he would always whatever he was doing he would walk over to you no matter how far away he was from you he'd walk over to you give you a handshake and a little bit of a hug say how you doing and in that moment he made eye contact you know it's a very big thing when you when you when most people when they say hello in their first interaction they do not Use eye contact. Mm They usually look away from the person, maybe they look at their mouth because that eye contact's too personal. And what I noticed he always did is he always would go out of his way to walk up and shake your hand, look you in the eyes, and be like, hey, what's going on? It's so good to see you. Oh, what class are you going to? All right, I want to keep you. I just want to make sure I say what's up. It's good to see you. And he would, for that one moment, no other human being existed except you and him. Mm -hmm. And When you start replicating that, you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time where it's like I have to sit down and have coffee with someone for an hour. Like literally in the moment, if you say, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. I'll talk to you later. Versus, oh, my gosh, Pete, it's so good to see you. How is everything, man? How's the when's the wedding? Oh, man, that's so beautiful. You know, I wish we had more time to talk. I'm in a rush. But let's definitely find some time to get together. I really look forward to connecting with you more you know in that moment i'm showing that i care about you that i'm interested in what is going on in your life that i remember something about you if i have the you know facility to do so but the key is going out of your way and again it's making people feel special to connect with them to have this conversation and what i highly encourage people to do if they want to kind of level this up is find one person you know per week i want to do per day cuz you know i have a friend who actually does per day and I th- he's amazing at this. And he he has a mortgage business. And he when the mortgage business tanked, you know, when the real estate tanked, his his business boomed. And what he does is every single day he finds one person that's like a past client or a business associate, and he will send them like a really cool gift, or he'll meet with them just to catch up with them. And when I say send them a cool gift, like he'll send them like bulls tickets or he'll find out like, oh, you know, he was telling me about this one Middle Eastern client he had who really loved um, baklava. Mm -hmm. So he sent them a sheet of baklava. And it's like it's never with a note of, hey, and if you ever need a mortgage, you know, let me know. They know who he is. They know what he does. But he takes the time. And he did it daily. And for me, I just found that too aggressive. But I try every week to find one person to not just, you know, every day I send the text or the Facebook message, but every week I try to find one person that I can just connect with and whether it's send them, you know, maybe a handwritten letter or send them a personalized gift. um, If I don't have time and if I have time, I'll try to meet with them, but If you don't have time, it's just making sure that in that moment you're conscious that no one else exists in the world except this one person. And then if you level up and you meet with one person a week, you know, you'll have over 50 people in a year who think you're the bee's knees, you know. And that really over time compounds and opportunities open up that you can't even foresee. It's not – there's no strategy that could ever be as powerful as having an army of people who like you and want to see
1: you succeed. Oh, that's that's well said. Well said. Um, very good. Well, now I guess, boy, time is flying here. So maybe just the last tidbits before we shift gears into the, the fast faves section. Could you talk a little bit about vocal patterns, whether that is pace of speech or intonation of speech or pace and, and the volume and the tone? What... Impacts does that have on likability, and are, are there any kind of best practices or things we should watch out for?
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, based on where you're from, it's gonna it's gonna dictate a lot of your speech patterns. You know, I'm from New York, so you probably hear that I speak very fast. That's just kind of who I am. I don't say my ERs; I'll say water, mm-hmm. not water. You know, and that's just just kind of a, a localized where I'm from. Someone from the south, you know, they may have a slower you know speech pattern. You know, I would say one as a kind of NLP 101 matching and mirroring is, is, you know, just textbook. If you're in a place where people are speaking slower, you should be more conscious to, to speak slower. I actually just spoke um to a group of executive managers out in california and when i was done a young lady came up to me and was like i loved everything about your presentation but boy do you talk really fast and i forgot i was in california where they're a mm. little bit you know slower paced and a little bit more cool and relaxed um so one matching and marrying and knowing your crowd is is quintessential but what i would add to that that doesn't necessarily get talked about a lot is the idea of vocal variety yes. um, you'll notice that whether you speak fast or slow it, it you know Soften your voice. So, so right now I'm speaking with more of a a softer voice, and then I get really excited, and then I may speak with a higher tempo and higher timber in my voice. Or something bad happens, I'll go, oh my gosh, like that's, you know, so horrible to hear. You know, you'll you're most interested in movies and TV shows that have tons of variety. You know, we're interested in social media. If you think about it, if you look at the way people scroll through Instagram or Facebook, um, their feeds, they're constantly scrolling for variation. They're first looking for a funny... Yeah. Amuse me Mm -hmm. and make me laugh and make me cry and make me feel like excited. And so literally one of the reasons we're so, I believe, you know, I've done no research, but it's just a personal belief. The reason why we're so addicted to that social media fix is because it gives us so much variety. It gives us so many different feelings, motivation, funny, and we can find it instantly. So if we can actually replicate what happens on social media in, in our conversations by, you know, speeding up when we talk or, you know, bringing things down a little bit to, to emphasize points, you'll actually find more people will be drawn to you and be more interested to
1: speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sold. So tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover off before we kind of shift gears into the, the rapid fire question pieces?
0: yeah you know the big thing and, and this is this is learning and you know potential actualization, you know one oh one we talked about i mean we've only been going for like a little over half an hour. We talked about tons of stuff, don't you you're drinking from a fire hose, like Pete's mm. a really good interviewer, you're getting oh, tons of content, you're listening to this, you're gonna get a lot of content. What I highly recommend people doing is finding one thing and implementing it. And just doing it. We only put out one episode a week on the Art of Likeability podcast. And we could do way more, but the whole goal is to do one thing this week. That's it. You know, so if I say, Hey, bring people, you know, go get a cup of water and get two, one for you, one for someone else, and that's all you do that's total victory. What happens is we try to run a marathon, you know, right off of the couch and we pull a muscle. We say it's too hard. I don't want to do it. So whatever it is that you want to do with likability, whether it is, you know, making people feel special or being more present or stopping treating people like they're a tool, whatever it is, just choose one and then Work on that until it becomes second nature. Like, God willingly, you'll live a really long life. You don't have to cram it all in in 24 hours. You know, spread it out as a marathon mindset, and you'll notice that it's easier to do and it's more effective.
1: Well, that's great. And it's funny when you say treat people like a tool, I was just thinking about your interested, interesting thing. If you treat people like a tool, then they will think you're a tool. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, making that's connections right. here right on the spot i'm, I'm,
0: repeat, I'm totally stealing that I'm you, you've it earned totally it st- that's
1: the least i could do <laughs> thank you <laughs> so all right well let's let's shift gears here to the fast faves can we, we kick it off by could you share with us what is a favorite quote something that inspires you repeatedly
0: yeah absolutely you know it's a um gosh it's such a popular quote but it's just so real it's it's a thomas edison quote that says you know i haven't failed 10,000 times, I've just found 10,000 ways that haven't worked. Um, The more we realize that everything we want is just one try away, one punch away, if it was a boxing match of life, the more we get excited about our failures because we're that much
1: closer to a win. Awesome. How about a favorite study or experiment or a piece of research?
0: Yeah. So I really love, there was a research, I think was done by Indiana University, and they put on facial recognition software and they had people watch Um, commercials and what they found is that the number one predictor of how successful a commercial would be if someone actually would purchase something or have good recall of the commercial they saw way after it was over was if the person smiled while watching the commercial not Mm. laughed not anything was smiled so what I took that to mean is that if we can actually make people smile not just us smiling at them but if we make people smile when they're around us, we will be more influential and we'll be more memorable based on that research. So I always love that
1: one. Oh, that's good. That's also great advice for anyone trying to text uh, a young lady or young man in the uh, romantic pursuit. <laughs>
0: use, the, use the smiley face uh, God. It will change your life. That's it's your so goal.
1: The text it's is it. to make him smile and not to say what's <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, how about a favorite book?
0: Oh, man, uh, tons of favorite books, tons of – I read tons of books. But you know, I recently just um, finished a really, really great book that's called uh, The Magic of Thinking Big. All it's right. um, by David Swartz. Um, fantastic book to stretch your, your comfort zone and your horizon. Just, just a fantastic
1: read. And uh, favorite uh, website or online resource?
0: Uh, you know, I, I get tons of like pop culture references from Yahoo.com one of the um things i do to stay relevant and you know i do a lot of speaking and you know i don't watch the news but what's really cool about just yahoo.com is that whatever is most popular or whatever is most trending nationwide the homepage pulls it up now unfortunately there's tons of kardashian articles Not, nothing against them <laughs> nothing against them but it's just like literally if you go to yahoo sometimes it's like 15 articles are ya- or kardashian or kanye west generated related um but it it's helpful for me to stay abreast of what you know if it's hard for you sometimes, I feel like you're relating to people. Just kind of jump on yahoo.com, see what you know, articles are most popular, and then you can literally just have a great conversation with someone about, oh, did you hear about Steph Curry hitting 17 points in overtime after he tore his, you know, sprained his MCL? It gives you, you know, conversation with people. So for me, that's actually one of my, uh, it's very easy to access, it's very popular, but it keeps me connected to, you know, what's on the pulse of, of
1: American thought. Well, that's handy. And how about a favorite uh, habit, any personal practice of yours that really makes a world of difference?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a personal thing. Everybody's got to find their own thing. But I've I personally found that um, in the morning before I check social media, before I, you know, do any of that stuff, I personally pray. Um, Amen. Amen. You know, find out whatever your connection thing is. And, you know, I find out whatever it is, if you believe in God, which I do, and you believe in what works for you, I believe connect with your source before you connect with people. Um, If you don't believe, and that's totally cool, take some time to meditate or, you know, connect with yourself. Um, But I I really find that if you do that before you check your social media, your day starts with the right intention. And
1: it's a a beautiful practice that I do daily, and, and I highly encourage others to do the same. That's so good. And how about a favorite little kind of nugget of truth or something? When you share it from either the stage or Twitter or in a book, it gets Kindle highlighted, it gets retweeted, it gets people taking notes and nodding heads. What, what are some a, a couple of your quotable gems?
0: Yeah, you know, one of the big things that we say that I think, the one of the things I say in my presentations that probably get the most retweets is the idea that in order to be successful, you have to be willing to do the things that most people won't. So you can have the things that most people don't, you know, the easiest way to create a successful life is to look at what the masses are doing and do the opposite. I mean, we've learned this from Warren Buffett in his investing strategy. We've learned it in so many different ways that when everyone's zigging, you zag. You know, when you show up into a room, everyone wants to sit in the back of the room. You sit in the front of the room. Nobody wants to say hello to the person next to them. You say hello to the person next to you. If you if you start doing what most people won't, you'll
1: start experiencing a life
0: that most people don't. Oh, beautiful. Thank you.
1: And, and I feel that sometimes with, with just this podcast is like, wow, this is a lot of stuff. But by golly. Sure enough, that's what that level of, of excellence stuff just creates recognition and, and sharing and, and people delighting in it and, and telling everybody. So it's like that. That's the thing. That's the thing. Put it in. I love it. And how about a favorite way to find you? Is there an ideally a website or Twitter or, or where should people go when they want to learn more about you?
0: Yeah, so the really cool thing about my mom naming me a really weird name, which is Aurel, Um, so I'm literally the only Aurel Moody in the entire world. So if you type my name into Google... um, I'm the only one that shows up on search results. If you type my name into Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, I'm the only Aurel Moody that shows up. So any social media site you're on, I'm on it too. I'm very active. I love it. I love connecting with people. And I highly encourage people to check out artoflikability.com. We have a um, great website there. We put a blog post. We put a um, podcast. Please download, you know, subscribe, you know, subscribe to this. If you haven't subscribed to Pete's podcast yet, please click the subscribe button, (laughs) <laughs> People don't get how powerful it is to get this fresh content sent to them. So click the subscribe button to Pete. Click the subscribe button to the Art of Likeability podcast. And we're, we're going to be launching something cool um, for speakers. We already did our beta group, and we had some amazing success for folks who want to actually become professional speakers. So if you go to um, for those of you who, like, hope to be awesome at your job so that you can one day leave and become a professional speaker or do it on the side, um, that's something that we're really excited about that I'm putting together. So
1: definitely check that out, too. Oh, fantastic. Well, Aurel, this has been a ton of fun. Thanks so much for making the time. And uh, good luck with the the Ellen views as they materialize and and everything else that you're doing here.
0: Pete, you keep making people awesome at their job, my friend. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Well. I imagine you're already likable getting a cup of water, a cup of coffee for your coworkers, workers and, and making some positive impressions, taking advantage of Aurel's insights there. And if you want to recap some of that stuff, you can find it at, awesome at yourjobcom slash ep19 to check out the transcript and, and items that Aurel had to say. And look forward to catching you the next episode.